Hi, and welcome to episode number 86 of the weekly Google Cloud Platform podcast. I am Francesca Campoy, and I'm here with my colleague, Mark Mandel. Hey, Mark, how are you doing? I am good. How are you doing? Very good. Back from Denver for GopherCon and enjoying the beautiful weather in San Francisco while you are in... Very warm weather in New York. Very, 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 very warm weather in New York, I'm sure. I feel like it's appropriately warm. I really like warm weather. San Francisco is never quite warm enough. Yeah, 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 I disagree. (laughs) (laughs) But anyway, today we're going to have a really interesting conversation with actually two people from two very different areas. One is a Googler and uh, manages Platinum customer account. And the other one is an engineer from Broad Institute, which happens to be a Platinum customer. And they're going to be telling us all about what does it mean to be a Platinum customer, what are the benefits, what kind of things they do. It is really interesting. It's like we've been having a couple of episodes on like SRE and CRE and like how customers and Googlers partner into like their ventures. So we're going to keep on talking about that basically. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's a really interesting conversation about the multitude of ways that Google Cloud Platform and Google itself can help customers of ours to help be successful, which is quite cool. Yeah, and some cool stories at the end of the episode. And at the end, uh, after those cool stories, we'll have the question of the week, as usual. And this time comes from GopherCon. Actually, someone came up to the booth, the Google Cloud Platform booth that we had, and they asked a question about how to do it to basically expose a Kubernetes service without having to pay for a load balancer, which makes sense only for very tiny clusters for like QA and stuff like that. But it's definitely a cool idea and good to know how to do it. So we'll cover that at the end. Cool. All right. Well, why don't we get stuck into our cool things of the week? Sounds good. The first one, even though is about Europe and I am definitely European, is about something that I do not know that much. So I'm going to let you go and explain to us what this really means. Cool. So uh, at the, the top of the story is that we are now have a new region open in London. So another region open in Europe, which is pretty cool. Uh, we have a few more still coming in Finland, Netherlands, and Frankfurt. Nice. Uh, and we've got a variety of products open from there, from autoscalers to container engine to app engine to data lab, etc. I think the interesting part here, and I am definitely not a lawyer, so I would redirect you to the show notes so you can read the article properly. We did write a blog post recently announcing basically our commitment to the general data protection regulation, uh, which takes effect in May 2018. Uh, for those of you who aren't familiar, it's basically privacy, privacy legislation that goes into effect across Europe. And so we want to make sure that that's good for all our European customers. Again, I'm not a lawyer, so I'm going to redirect you to <laughs> the blog post to read through it all that will be in the show notes. Uh, but this is just, you know, one more step in that direction just to say, hey, like we take this really seriously. So we're opening our region in London and we're also making sure we're compliant. A second cool thing of the week, and uh, this one, I tweeted about it because as soon as I saw it, I thought it was really, really cool is our friends from the New York Times and they were talking about how to do continuous deployment for App Engine and Container Engine and they open source all of the code, which is really cool. We'll link to it in the show notes. We'll find it. Yeah, and now they open source something else, this time about Go. And it's uh, about how to use Go Kit on App Engine standard environment. So with Go 1.6 or Go 1.8 in beta currently. So for those who don't know what Go Kit is, I know I'm, I have a vague idea. I'm not entirely sure. Why is Go Kit so cool and why is it cool that it's on App Engine? Go Kit basically it allows you to make your services more robust. It is a microservice framework for Go. And it manages things like 
making sure that you have monitor and, and you're able to instrument all your endpoints and security and even things like well if a server is down you should not keep on trying to send requests all of the time so like financial backoff and all of these things that you need to take care of when you're writing a robust architecture with microservices all of those things are available in GoKit now the problem is that Appengine has some limitations on what you can do and one of them is actually how you get an HTTP connection to the outside got it so basically they adapted it so you can use Appengine and GoKit together which is really cool so uh, if you're interested, if you're running Go on App Engine, I'll definitely ask you to go have a look because this is actually really interesting stuff. Well, we talked last week about how Kubernetes 1.7 was released. So this week, we're talking about how you can now use it on Container Engine, which is super, super cool. And super, super fast. <laughs> and super, super fast. Yeah, it's amazing how quickly these come through, uh, as well as there's a couple of other interesting things in here just for GKE releases. So that we've got like so an auto repair beta for like if nodes have any issues. We have new regions and they all have container engine, which is great as well. And we've also allowed us to have like internal load balancing is beta as well for Kubernetes and GKE inside Google Cloud Platform. So there's like a bunch of new features that are also available, not just Kubernetes ones, but GKE ones that have come along with this release as well. Really cool. And the last cool thing of the week before the interview is about Container Builder. And we did an episode on Container Builder. It was episode 79. And this time we have a video by one of our teammates, Carter Morgan, talking about, I think it's going to be a long series because it's called Builder Part 1. But it's the first episode of a series. And this one covers uh, how to do rolling updates with Container Builder. And it's only five minutes. So if you use any of these or you're curious, go check it out. Awesome. Well, I think that's plenty of cool things. Yeah. Why don't we go chat with our friends Lucas and Mike and talk all about Platinum Customers and Broad Institute. Sounds good. Let's do that. Today, I am delighted and overjoyed to have two fine fellows joining us today. Uh, we have Lucas Carlson, a cloud architect and developer advocate at Broad Institute. Um, and as well, we also have Mike Alterace, who is a strategic customer engineer here at Google Cloud Platform as well. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. How are you both doing today, Lucas? Great. Thank you for having us. Excellent. Mike, you're doing well as well? Hey guys, doing fantastic. Thanks for asking. Wonderful. Yeah. Thank you for coming. <laughs> Excellent. So super excited to have you on the podcast to talk about both uh, Broad Institute and also being a platinum customer and what does that actually mean. Uh, but before we do that, why don't we just hear about uh, both of you. Lucas, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do at the Broad Institute? Well, I've been at the Broad for about 14 years or so, so I've had quite a few different roles over that time. Uh, but right now, I'm responsible for our cloud architecture and strategy. And I also am filling a role as developer advocate, where I um, try and improve the success of all of the developers within the Broad and some external who try to consume all of our services. Cool. And for those that do not know what it is in, like, a very short sentence. What is the Broad Institute? The Broad is a uh, genomics research institute funded primarily by government grants that focuses on sort of the analytical side of biology and chemistry. So we um, were one of the major contributors responsible for the Human Genome Project. And now we are focused on um, sort of proving the value of the genome by discovering therapies and tools that improve health and science. That sounds pretty awesome. That sounds pretty awesome. And Mike, what do you do? 
Yes, hi, I'm the strategic customer engineer that actually is assigned to the Broad Institute. That's part of our platinum support service that we offer for our strategic customer, someone like myself that is assigned specifically to a large customer such as the Broad. So you are a Googler? I'm a Googler. Good. I'm actually based out of Western Virginia. We are a worldwide team. We have uh, presence across the globe. And um, I am uh, here, on the, luckily, in the same time zone as Lucas on the East Coast. Excellent. All right. So, look, like when we start on the, the Broad Institute side, and then we'll come back to the, the Platinum customer side of things, I'm sure we'll find time to, to switch in between. But, okay, so it sounds like, uh, Lucas, you do a lot with very large amounts of data. Do you just run on GCP? Like, what is what does this pipeline look like as you do these large sort of, it sounds like, data calculations of some kind? Well, we have a really wide variety of projects going on at the Broad. So um, anything I say about what we're doing for one project is likely different for some other project. Um, we have users in most of the major public clouds right now, um, including Amazon and Google. And certainly data is probably the, the biggest thing for us. So when I look at... Um, our consumption of services in the cloud, you know, more than 50% of what we uh, consume is data storage. And probably uh, a little over a third of it is for compute. And then everything else is, is things like um, monitoring and, and SQL services and that sort of thing. Cool. So what products do you use on GCP? Um, so in GCP, we are, as I said, a big storage customer. We're using some of the global and uh, multi-regional and regional buckets primarily, although we're sort of moving towards some of the near line and cold line storage as well. Um, we do a massive amount of um, compute, parallel compute. So we run jobs that at times use let's say tens of thousands of CPUs uh, simultaneously. And so we're a big customer of the preemptible VM service. Um, in fact, we were, uh, I believe, Google's um, blog announcement uh, customer for that service. And so this is an example. What would you be using these things for? Is, like you said, you have a wide variety of products, but now I'm just quite curious, like at a concrete level, what you'd be doing. So the, the most common thing that we do with computing is we do data analysis. So we have um, all these instruments that are sequencing DNA and generating various kinds of raw data from images to other sorts of data files. And we run these pipelines against them, uh, which basically looks like potentially a, a Python script or something that reads in some raw data, uh, runs some Unix tools against that data, and then takes the output from that first step and makes that the input of the next step. Um, and then, you know, flowing through a pipeline of steps to generate some certain kind of output that helps answer some particular genetic question about the data. Nice. Uh, so I guess since we have a, I was going to say broad idea, <laughs> <laughs> jokes, uh, maybe we, get, we can talk a little bit about the fact that you mentioned that you are a platinum customer. What does this mean? Maybe uh, we can get Mike to answer this question. Sure, yeah. So a Platinum customer is a strategic customer for Google Cloud Platform. We deem those customers to be of high importance to us as a cloud provider, and we want to make sure they get the utmost experience uh, when it comes to using Google Cloud uh, services. And as part of that, to make sure that that's really happening, uh, a, a SKI, a strategic customer engineer like myself, is dedicatedly assigned to those customers. And in a way, we are the constant from the 
the technical perspective that they have in Google. I'm like their technical ambassador, uh, bridging all the different groups within Google Cloud, the PMs, the engineering, the operationals, the TAM, the sales, uh, support itself. And through those providing technical advisory, product influence, and assistance with operations. So for example, as Lucas mentioned, those a massive amount of usage uh, when they kick up those uh, workloads as well. We have teams be behind that are kind of watching it and looking, making sure everything works as properly and as it should be and through our relationship with Lucas myself and engineering we are always kind of making sure that these things are uh, ticking away like they should be that's one example so now I'm curious about how are you different or similar to CRE's customer reliability engineering yeah that's a, that's a fair question a very good one I, I guess the main difference is that we have an account-wide relationship that is continuous and constant I'm always going to be there even there's going to be one or more CRE engaged, there's always going to be a ski that oversees the technical aspect of the relationship between Broad Institute and Google. So no matter what, anything that has to be with technical aspect of those relationships, the ski is going to be involved and make sure everything is moving in the right direction and doesn't go orthogonal. So there are going to be multiple engagement that are in technical nature through CREs, through professional services organizations. Uh, but as a ski, uh, as a, the buck stops here when it comes to technical aspect of the relationship, and I'm always going to be there to make sure it's working out the way it should. So actually for two things, one, when you say ski, you mean a, an SCE? That's just like... <laughs> exactly. Carl, my manager, is the one responsible for coming up with the ski acronym. So we, uh, we actually have uh, uh, a ski lodge in the Mountain View office with, uh, <laughs> with skis and fake snow. And we try to name all of our services and all our offerings uh, in the kind of like the uh, ski related. So our weekly report is called the snowboard. And <laughs> There's a whole have, thing. <laughs> no, that's fantastic. Ours is, ski camp for, ours, uh, uh, ours is called the broadcast. The broadcast. Oh, that's pretty wow. nice. <laughs> I, I like puns. I like it. <laughs> Fantastic. But okay, so uh, Mike, you were talking about having a continuous engagement. Uh, what does that look like? Do you have like weekly meetings? You in touch every day? Like, how does that work? Totally. We have we have scheduled weekly cadences across multiple teams within the broad. Lucas, of course, is a major part of it, but it also means hangouts and just uh, ad prop and uh, ad hoc situation where we just get on a hangout and chat and discuss things. So if something needs to be addressed, uh, either from operation, product guidance, connecting to a PM, um, I, I get hit by the broad or I hit the broad and uh, we just have an impromptu uh, conversation about it. So the personal and the trust relationship, uh, the trust aspect of the relationship is key fact to what we consider uh, being a success and in kind of making sure everything works and reducing their anxiety about using the platform. So. Lucas, I was going to ask you, and I think you're proud to jump in. Like, what does this look like from your side? Mike has open office hours that he provides via Hangout, so that at anyone at the Broad who is using GCP has access to Mike. And in addition, we have an internal Google group of all of our GCP users and an internal Slack channel um, of the same users. And Mike is involved in both of those. So many times, a user will. Um, 
ask something in the chat room or on the mailing list and the response is oh mike can help with that just reach out to mike and um or mike will even see these things because he he's periodically active on these channels with us so he's very much integrated as a member of our team an extended member of the broads you know google support team Nice. So, so that sounds awesome, and I guess that uh, many of our customers that are there are wondering how this this happened. Like, how these uh, did start? The way we got onto GCP in the first place is because uh, we were already a G Suite customer, and as we began um, moving into the cloud and exploring the multiple offerings out there. You know the G Suite integration with GCP in that it's using the same identities, and we've already dealt with the whole onboarding and offboarding process of our users. So that since someone leaves the company and their G Suite account is disabled, that means they also lose access to all of the GCP resources that they would have had. So that that's been compelling for us, and that sort of um, is one of the contributing factors to us using GCP. And certainly, over the last um, four or five years that we have been a GCP customer, um, our usage has grown drastically over that time. And sort of the level of uh, relationship that we need to have in order to be able to support that has uh, grown over that time. So, you know, I, I actually can't imagine using the services at the scale that we use them today without having Mike involved at this point. And it's hard for me to remember what it was like before we had him. I don't really like to think about it. <laughs> so from your side, Mike, how did that look for you? How did you get involved? How, what was the onboarding process for you? Yeah, the, uh, the tight relationship between myself as a ski and the customer means that the onboarding process is is almost like me doing a full research about the customer, their usage, reading up all the internal documentation that we had relating to the history that we had with Broad before me joining and just going and drilling as deep as possible around their usage, their issues, their support cases, the meeting notes, everything I could find around the background of Broad in Google interaction, I consumed it for a period of time before I got engaged. And of course, from that point on, I was introduced to Lucas and slowly and uh, as time went by, got introduced to other uh, members of Broad Institute. And as issues came up, that was another opportunity to learn even more and dig even deeper about things that they do. In particular, for example, Broad is a big usage of our genomics API. So through the Broad, I actually got uh, a lot of opportunity to learn and understand how our genomics API works. I got some uh, data samples and I ran some of the same workloads that the Broad is running by myself on our genomics API so I can get a better understanding of how uh, the things that they do operate on our side, all the kind of pain points that they're experiencing, so I can kind of provide better assistance and better understanding when things happen uh, to how to quickly and uh, uh, make it uh, solve as quickly as possible. And then another thing that Mike does that's really helpful is he sees all of the activity on all of our tickets. So even if it's like in the middle of the night and I go and submit a ticket about some issue I just discovered, when I chat with Mike in the morning, he's certainly aware of that. And it's not like I have to, you know, bring him up to speed on, on something that just happened. He has, you know, full visibility into everything. So even times when users within the Broad submit tickets that I don't know about, Mike has visibility into that. So he can sometimes make me aware of issues that I was not aware of previously. 
And having that additional context on the, I guess, almost like the metadata on the fact that Broad is a large customer and what they're doing and what are the typical issues they have, the ability to overlay that when issue comes up and communicate that to our backend, to engineering, to support, to PMs, whoever, makes the resolution and the experience for the Broad much better and much more fluid than if it has to be re- rediscovered every time there's an issue. So I'm curious about <clears throat> you mentioning uh, that you're able to, to file issues and that you might get them like basically directly. Uh, are those issues filed the same way as any other customer? Is there a special relationship that you have? How does this work? Yeah, from the back end, it's the same support mechanism that all of our other customers. It's just the fact that I'm tapped in right to the vein of the broad activity. So I see that in real time as it happened. And if I, you know, uh, find a place that I can uh, grease the skid, so to speak, and make things work a little bit more smoother by providing additional context, I immediately get on that. Should Mike, should we talk at all about the issue tracker here? Like, um, and how we have additional visibility there? Oh, yeah, that's actually a really good point, right? So we actually, you know, in addition to just a general support ticketing system, we actually also provision Broad as a, uh, partner to our internal bugginizer system. So Broad has, you know, a unique component within Google's internal bug tracking system, which is a way to get even deeper penetration and understanding of technical issues that are pertaining to both sides. So Broad can talk directly to, for example, Google Genomics API engineers on specific issues through the uh, additional system of the bugginizer. So I'm putting on my, hey, I'm a GCP customer hat, and I'm thinking to myself, this sounds amazing. I want what you all have. <laughs> How does that happen? Is it a certain tier of usage? Uh, do we select based on certain internal criteria? What, what's, the, what's the deal there, Mike? Yeah, great question. So uh, the ski engagement is actually part of the professional service organization of Google Cloud. So any customer can actually reach out to their Google Cloud representative and ask them about the option of getting a technical account manager, a ski. Um, we're uh, making that available as a service. Yeah. Cool. Well, um, is there a, there a URL that people can go to if they want to find that, or is that specific to if, if you have already had a sales agent? Yeah, absolutely. So you can uh, definitely go to our website and go to uh, cloud.google.com slash support, and you should be able to uh, continue from there. Awesome. And we'll just hand out your phone number, Mike, if people can't find that. Is that, is that totally. fine? Totally. All right, cool. I'm used to that. <laughs> cool. So uh, I'm curious about, is there any any story that you can share of like how this actually works, like a concrete use case where have, being a Platinum customer solved a big problem? Like, I don't know if there was some some big technical problem on your side or I don't know, like any any kind of those issues where being a platinum customer really made a difference. Yeah, I mean, the ones I like to talk about are where we have uh, mistakenly exposed the lack of infinite capacity that Google has. Um, so like there was that first time where I got the call where they were like, what are you doing in the central region right now? And I was like, oh my gosh, we just showed up on Google's radar. That's amazing. Like. And, and we realized that there there actually are a limited amount of resources and it's possible to consume them all at some point. Cool. So now, now I'm wondering, uh, is there any story, any interesting story you can share uh, that really shows a big difference? Like, oh, luckily we're a platinum customer if, that we're able to solve this issue. Is there something like that that you can share that is not top secret or something? 
<laughs> yeah. Um, so one of the things I think that um, one of the reasons we are a platinum customer is the scale at which we run is such that um, we periodically are able to expose the sort of uh, fact that the cloud is not actually unlimited. Hmm. And um, so in one example, you know, we were using too many CPUs in a particular region and we had to be very strategic with Google about where to move those workloads. Uh, there was another situation last year where we um, in, in using all of those preemptible VMs that we were using, we managed to consume um, most of the IP address resources in a particular region. And so we went down a very uh, strategic route with Google on not only tactically trying to solve the Omedia problem, but basically trying to redesign our application and um, with Google to, to make it so that we didn't need to use so many external IP addresses. And, and I, assume, Mike was integral I assume it wasn't like five or ten like CPUs or IP addresses. <laughs> no, it was a little bit more know. than that. <laughs> Tens of thousands. And, uh, and so, you know, one of our applications needs to speak to the internet. And so while many of Google's um, resources like storage are available using internal IP addresses, if that same machine needs to talk to like Docker Hub, for example, then uh, it it or something near it needs to have a public IP. So, you know, we we sort of uh, exposed this limitation in both um, Google's infrastructure as well as in the design of our application. And then Mike and his team rallied around. This was actually during uh, DockerCon last year. And so there was a few Googlers, like uh, Mike's boss Carl was at DockerCon, and he and I were able to get together in a little room and just sort of hack through the issue with a bunch of Brodies who were back on site in Cambridge and with Mike and others who were who were online at Google, and it was a real like collaborative sort of urgent effort to try and uh, resolve this issue. And just from from that point of view, I mean the the, the back end services and team owners are intimately aware of Broad Institute because of issues like that, <laughs> and it actually helped <laughs> us make the platform better. We change a lot of our internal processes and also general processes as a, as a cloud provider. Uh, as a result of these type of uh, interaction we had with the Broad Institute being a platinum customer and really pushing us to the limit. And, and at the end of the day, it really helps all of our customers. Another example, I think, is, um, you know, Mike is able to help me um, interact with many of the PMs of, of some of the products that we rely on very heavily. And through those relationships, we're often able to get on um, early access or alpha programs for certain products. And um, for example, earlier this year, we were one of the first, if not the first customer to begin using a feature. And within the first day or two of experimenting with it, we found two major bugs. And so Google was able to sort of pull that feature, resolve those bugs, and get that redeployed before any other customers experienced it. So in the, in the end, you know, we were able to get access to a feature that was critical to us, and we were able to help Google make that feature more reliable for everybody. And at the end, taking that to the next level, as a result of all that tight interaction we had around that feature and functionality, Lucas was actually on Next 2017 on stage presenting some of the code that he wrote related to that functionality and features. Ooh, nice. The fact that they're building up their content and requirement for GCP Next, Lucas immediately came to mind, and through the relationship, we were able to reach out and work out a way where Lucas ends up on stage talking about the solution. Awesome. We'll, we'll find that talk and we'll have a link uh, from the show notes. That's for sure. Um, 
Okay, so we're running out of time, and so I like to ask my favorite question, which is, uh, does anyone have anything extra to add or anything we haven't managed to ask in our interview process so far? Mike, I think you might have something. Yeah, I think so. Uh, last point, uh, I do actually have the URL where you can go and uh, get the in touch with the professional services, and it's uh, cloud.google.com/solutions. Awesome. All right, uh, Lucas, Mike, thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate you taking the time and talking to us about uh, Broad Institute and also what it means to be a Platinum customer. Thanks for having us. Thank you, guys. Pleasure to be here. So thanks again to both Lucas and Mike for taking the time today to explain a little bit about what is to be a Platinum customer, what does it entail, and what is the kind of like relationship and how like basically helping each other all the time. Uh, pretty amazing that Platinum customers, they get such a level of support. Like they basically can call someone a Googler on their mobile phone directly. Pretty amazing. Yeah, and make sure like if you have a company that's large enough or have enough needs that you think you need to be a Platinum customers, check out the links in the show notes so that you can get involved as quickly as possible. So I guess that it's time to go with our question of the week. And as I was saying at the beginning of the episode, this one comes from someone, but <laughs> someone that came to uh, see me at the Google Cloud Platform booth at GopherCon last week in Denver. And his question was like, okay, so I have, a, I have a development cluster for Kubernetes. So basically I'm running Kubernetes on GKE and, and it's, a, it's a development QA thing. So I want it to be as cheap as possible because there's no production traffic going on in there. So mm -hmm. I don't really care about like reliability or anything like that. So I can run it with one single instance and I can even run it with F1 small, which is actually very, very affordable. But then uh, when I want to expose service, if I expose it uh, with the default way of doing it, which is by saying type is the load balancer, then all of a sudden you get a load balancer. And then you need to pay for that load balancer, which is more than what they would like to uh, pay specifically for this test environment. So mm -hmm. how can you expose service without a load balancer? And I think that you have a way to do it. So I guess you can go with one and I'll go with the other one. Okay. I have, I have one way that I think should work. Um, so the way that I was going to say, so we were saying that like there's one, we're going to have one instance in our Kubernetes cluster. Yeah. Um, so often what happens if you're not running Kubernetes on the cloud, rather than using a service with a type load balancer, you often do what's called type node port, which actually opens up the port directly on the machine and it opens up the same port for all the services across all the machines that are inside your cluster. So then you could put a, your own load balancer over the front, just point it to those ports across those machines and you're good to go. But there's nothing that stops you from saying, hey, why don't we just connect directly to that node port for that individual service? So you could do a service with a node port, specify the port that you want to open and have that available. The only caveat I would put it is just to make sure that there is a firewall rule on that Compute Engine instance that GKE provisions for you to ensure that the traffic will go through to that port. But in theory, it should work. I guess there's a second caveat to that, which goes, uh, which leads us to the other solution, which is what happens if that instance is restarted? You might get a different IP, so all of a sudden, uh, what IP should you target? So that's why there's, there's a different solution, which is by using static IPs. So you can set a get a static IP for your service, and then that static IP, it is uh, completely free of charge as long as it's assigned to something. So if you're running it with an instance, then you're good. You don't need to pay for anything for that one, which is cool. And then uh, you can actually set on your ingress service you can set that specific IP. 
The details to set this up are actually part of a little repo that Kelsey Hightower open sourced. So we will have a link to that specific place. Basically takes you through how to reserve a static IP and then how to add it to your Kubernetes configuration files in order to use that one for your service rather than allocating a new load balancer. If you wanted to get super fancy, you might be able to make it preemptible as well. So I tried and you can. I don't know, I mean, it is. it will be more affordable, but at the same time, I wonder if if you're running tests on it. But it's only gonna go down maybe once every 24 hours or so. Or more. So it's not so gonna happen that often. It's gonna yeah, make I, your I'm, tests flaky, so then you need to rerun them again. But at the same time, just... it's integration tests, so probably flakiness is okay. I'm just saying it's an option, this is there. It is definitely an option. The one that is not an option that I thought about was, well, if I want to make it as, as affordable as possible, maybe I can run an F1 micro because you get one for free uh, per month. So that'd be perfect, but nice. uh, it is not enough to run Kubernetes, unfortunately. So you need to run at least everyone small, which is also very, very, very affordable, to be honest. So, so you can run Kubernetes, but no pods. <laughs> Basically, yeah, you can, you can run Kubernetes, but nothing will run inside. So yeah, not, not, not big enough. Yeah. Wonderful. All right. Before we ramble on even further, uh, Francesc, what are you up to? Are you going anywhere special? I know you just got back from GopherCon. Yeah, I just got back from GopherCon, so I'm taking a couple of days off. I might go camping somewhere in the forest far away from computers. And nice. yeah, and after that, basically enjoying San Francisco, I'll be here for the GoSF meetup in July 26th. And after that, some holidays again. What about you? What am I up to? Let me think. So I will be attending, uh, actually, so I will be speaking at PAX Dev at the end of August in Seattle and then attending PAX after that. So that'll be lots and lots of fun. Uh, before that, I think just getting ready for PAX. I'm pretty excited about it, actually. Nice. Uh, I guess that I will also mention that I keep on releasing up Just for Funk episodes. Just for Funk. So by the time this episode comes out, I will be working on the next one. And uh, there's some surprises coming up like guest stars and stuff like that. Ooh. It's going to be exciting. Yep. Well, I'm excited. <laughs> Wonderful. Well, Francesc, thank you so much for joining me for yet another episode. Thank you, Mark. And enjoy the amazing weather in New York as you love it so much. And thank you all for listening. And we'll see you all next week. Bye.